chapter 39. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and gifts to Hezekiah, for he had heard of his illness and recovery. That's particularly significant when it happens to a king because so much depends on that. When a king dies, it says something about the entire nation. And when he recovers from a deathly illness, it's really a wonderful portent for that whole nation. It harks back to the arrested sacrifice of the king and uh, that kind of idea that's prevalent in the ancient Near East where they used to symbolically sacrifice a king and then they arrested his sacrifice so they didn't go through with it. Kind of like Abraham offering his son Isaac and not totally going through with it, although the intent is there. And sometimes the king would have a substitute and it killed him instead of the king. So here the king was deathly ill and he recovered. So it's a good omen, even throughout the ancient East, it was a good omen to know that his God had healed him. And so they thought that this must be someone special, and he was, of course. So they sent letters and gifts to Hezekiah. Now another thing that was going on here is that Babylon, which was then not a world power, it was an ascending power, it was to take over after Assyria as the major world power, but at that time Assyria was the dominating world power, a world conqueror. But there were a number of nations in alliance with Babylon at that time against the Assyrians. Behind the scenes there were machinations to overthrow the Assyrian power, and Babylon seemed to be at the center of those, historically. And, of course, they wanted whoever they could get in their alliance in this movement to overthrow the Assyrians. And I had also heard, of course, of the Assyrian army being wiped out in Jerusalem. That, again, was a very great portent. Hezekiah, verse 2, was glad of them and showed the envoys of his treasury, the silver and gold, the spices and fragrant oils, and his entire armory and all that was in his treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Well, he still had a few things to learn, didn't he? Because he just basically made them privy to all his secrets. He was an ally of theirs, or he was not directly allied in a military alliance. He was a friend. They were at peace with Babylon at that time. But what was the problem with what he had done? He did it kind of naively. Maybe he was a little prideful. He was a young king, and he uh, maybe hadn't learned complete restraint in some of his actions, but... There was something basically wrong with what he did. And that's what we see in the next few verses. Then the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and said, What did those men say to you? Now immediately you know that he's going to chastise the king because he said, Those men. kind of leaves it anonymous. And whenever he talks about these people, or he doesn't use the proper names and first names, and then you know that it's derogatory. What did those men say to you, and where did they come from? Of course, he knows where they came from. And Hezekiah replied, They came from a distant land. They came to me from Babylon. And Isaiah asked, What did they see in your palace? And Hezekiah said, This is like father and son, you know, like a father chastising his teenage son. And Hezekiah said, They saw everything there is in my palace. There is nothing in all my treasuries that I did not show them. Verse 5, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. The time shall come and everything in your palace and all that your forefathers have treasured up until now shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, 
and from among your own sons, your future offspring and descendants, they shall take some to serve as eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. You wonder, what's the connection between what Hezekiah had just done, which seems so innocent a thing to do, with an ally, just to show them around your country, and this horrendous destiny, future fate of these people to be taken captive to Babylon, just like the ten tribes were taken captive into Assyria, and his son to be made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon, to be totally subservient to a foreign power? What do you think the connection is? Was it because of what Hezekiah had done? No. Hezekiah had done nothing really bad. His life had been righteous. His people were righteous. Why then this result? But Hezekiah said to Isaiah, verse 8, The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. For he thought, Then there shall be peace and loyalty during my reign. Even though he found out that in some future date, there would be a destruction and exile of Judea, as there was of the ten-tribe kingdom in the north by Assyria, he said, at least it's not going to happen when I'm king, which means that I and my people are loyal to the Lord, we've passed the test, he's not going to do this in our day. Thank God. Because he didn't want to deal with that. He'd just been through a whole ordeal, and now he didn't want something further like that to happen. So he said, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, meaning it's a covenant blessing. It implies covenant loyalty and covenant blessing. Why then does that appear? It's a transitional chapter, chapter 39, between the first part of the book of Isaiah and the second part. The second part of the book of Isaiah really begins with chapter 40, which talks about Israel being out in exile, or it begins to talk about Israel. Parts of it talk about it, and parts imply that Israel is still in the land. From chapter 41 and on, it's clear that Israel is out in exile, and one of the places that's in is Babylon. So this is a transitional chapter to kind of introduce that idea of future exile of the whole nation, not just the ten tribes, also of the southern kingdom of the Jews or the Judeans. But what's the connection between him showing these people around and making them privy to his inner sanctum and this result? And the answer is that, anciently, a man could lay claim to something that he bought by going and viewing it. You remember in the parable of the marriage feast in the New Testament that Jesus talks about, where many people are invited to the marriage feast and they give various excuses for not coming? And one of them says, I have purchased some land and I must go and view it. And the viewing of it was a formal act that laid claim to it. And so these guys coming here and viewing his kingdom, even the inner sanctum, his sons, his treasury, everything that he had there, was unwittingly an act of giving them claim over that. It's just a historical incident that serves as a transition here from being in the land, from where everything is well, and they've passed the test, they're identified with Zion and Jerusalem instead of Israel and Jacob to a future time when things are going to go bad. So Hezekiah is implying and saying, okay, well, we've passed the test. It's not going to happen in our day. The Lord is protecting us. It's very obvious now. But in some future day, people will have to answer for themselves. They'll have to pass tests of loyalty or fail them. And they'll have to answer for their actions. 